Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. Thank you so much for subscribing to this channel. Please make sure that you like the video you've just watched and consider making a contribution on our app or on our website. It's really easy to do. And thank you in advance for that support. It does make a difference. No matter what you say, there has to be a way. Every living thing is counting on us. Do you believe that? Yeah? A little more enthusiasm? Do you believe that? <clears throat> I do too. Every living thing is counting on us. Do we believe there's a way? As I was thinking about the words to that song and listening to it and just really taking it in, I couldn't help but think that, well, we have the way. And it's the way that we've been talking about over the last number of weeks. It's a way of consciousness, the kind of consciousness that changes us. We've been looking at a master's program in spirituality. We've been challenging ourselves to think about what it would be like to have a society filled with graduates, with those who have a degree in spirituality. You know, we reward, we recognize, we appreciate, we value the benefit that we receive as a society from those who devote themselves to pursuing a very specific field of study and then becoming a master in that. And I'm grateful for those who, who zero in and pick something that's really important and really get good at that. And then we all benefit from it. The collective benefits from it. But what would it be like, and that's what we've been asking ourselves, what would it be like if we had a society filled with those who had mastery in spirituality? And that means not somebody else taking that course. That means not the person sitting next to you. It doesn't mean getting your ex enrolled in the course. It means us, right where we are. What if we more fully engaged in our own spiritual development? We've been remembering together the stages of consciousness, beginning, and they're called by different names, but beginning with mortal consciousness, the consciousness where it seems more like life is, is happening to us and we haven't really figured out how important it is to be a full participant in our life experience, not just kind of watching it and wondering about what's happening. And we move out of a place of blaming an external um, focus to taking responsibility and we move into a level of that we might call the metaphysician or the by me level of consciousness where we recognize that there is a law, a spiritual principle that we can use and in doing so we can transform our lives, that we can create a life that's a better life for ourselves but that we can get stuck there, right? We can get stuck and, and, and sub, sub, uh, seduced by materiality and manifestation, but there's more than that. There is the level that we call the mystic level, the level where, where we are in partnership with God by whatever name we call that, and that that's where our life really begins to take on deeper dimension. But there's even more than that, right? There's what we call the master's level, of living. And I want to talk about the master's level of seeing and serving. The master's level of seeing and serving. When I think of a master's consciousness, one of the things I think about is 
the kind of consciousness, the kind of being who when you're even in their presence, there's something that's ignited in you. In some traditions, it, it's called spiritual transmission or shaktipa, where you can be with a spiritual master, an enlightened being, and there is a presence, there is a consciousness, there's an energy from them that if you are somewhat attuned and somewhat receptive, that you can experience a gift in that. I remember the experience we had when I was with the Association for Global New Thought. And on three different occasions, we spent quite a bit of time in the presence and working with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. And though, and I've told you this before, though it wasn't as if he said anything we hadn't heard before, the consciousness from which he spoke those words, the consciousness from which he just moved or didn't move, there was something about that. Jesus was like that, I believe. In large part, I think it's because he was like that, because he mastered a certain way of seeing and serving that people were transformed in his presence. We have the story of the woman who was hemorrhaging for years and, and believed that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, that she would be healed. There was something in her that recognized there was something in him a consciousness, a something, that if she could just tap into that, that she would be healed. I believe that that is what we are called into exploring as spiritual students of consciousness, that we are called into exploring and attempting to the very best of our human and spiritual ability to practice at that kind of level, to practice seeing as a master might see, of serving as a master might serve. When we live from the consciousness of oneness, which a master's level is about, when we live from the consciousness of oneness, we move beyond just self. We move beyond ourselves. And when I say beyond me, I don't mean like beyond me. I don't mean like that. I mean like the beyond me that recognizes there's me, there's you, there's us, and in reality, there's really just one of us. I know that that's mind-boggling, but it comes from this concept of non-duality. It comes from this concept that each and every one of us is birthed out of the same divine essence, that we are not our brother's keeper, we are our brother. We are our sister. But for many of us, the living into that requires practicing a different way of seeing and practicing a different way of serving. So what is that different way of seeing? Jesus hinted about it. Well, actually, he didn't hint. He gave very clear instructions. He said that we were to not judge by appearances, but to judge rightly. In order to judge rightly, we have to see rightly. Our spiritual life is about how we see and about how we serve. 
And our time in the silence, our time in meditation, is meant to position us in such a way that we can see more clearly and we can serve more lovingly and unconditionally. The Catholic monk and mystic Thomas Merton said, the spiritual life is first of all a life. It is not merely something to be known and studied. It is to be lived. Think about that for a moment. It's so easy, I think, and tempting a way to think that our spiritual life is about what we study and about what experiences we have maybe in meditation. I think Thomas Merton is really onto it, that it is, it's more than that. The spiritual life is, first of all, a life. It's not merely something to be known and studied. It is to be lived, to be lived out in the way that we see, to be lived out in the way that we serve, and to raise that to a master's level of consciousness. So when we think about this idea of a master's level way of seeing or a master's level way of serving, we might say, well, how would an enlightened being, how would God, how would Jesus, how would a Buddha see, how would they serve? Well, from our own Christian tradition, Jesus said, that we were to judge not according to appearances, but to judge rightly, to see rightly. It means to not be fooled by the appearances, right? It means not just to look superficially for the good, but to absolutely know that within whatever might be going on is a potentiality for something good. That no matter what it looks like on the surface, no matter how dark or problematic or challenging it might be, or painful, that within it is a potentiality for good. That is to see as the divine might see. That is to see rightly. And it is not enough just to see it, but it is a requirement to interact with it, whatever it is, from that mindset. So to be able to look from the point of view, if you will, or the, the angle, if you will, of the fact that within every single situation, every person, every circumstance, every opportunity, every challenge, is God. When we say in metaphysics, when we say in unity, you know, our first principle, there is one presence, one power in the universe, God the good, omnipotent, that there is no place where God is not. There's no exceptions to that. There's no exceptions to that. So think about the most challenging situation you might be facing in your life right now, or the most challenging th situation you think we're facing in our world today. We can't transform it until we have a spiritual transformation. The Dalai Lama on many occasions has said, that every problem at its root is a spiritual problem. 
every problem, whether we're talking about environmental problems, or we're talking about race problems, or we're talking about hunger and poverty, we could go on and on and on, that every one of those, at its very core, is a spiritual problem. And until we begin to see all of it, and interact with all of it from a spiritual perspective, we're never going to get at the root cause, and we're never going to get to wholeness, to a real healing. Are you still with me? Still with me? This is where our practice becomes so very important. So very important that we apply it where we are in our own lives, but we also apply it and we begin to speak it into existence through our conversations so that it can take manifest form. Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind, I call unity and science of mind, best of cousins. Unity is older than science of, of mind, but if you really get at the heart of each of the teachings, to me, they're the same. Stylistically, they might be a little bit different, but the core teaching is the same. In the science of mind, Ernest Holmes wrote, during the process of life, many things may happen that appear to be destructive. We may pass through good fortune and bad, but if we can come to the point where we are not disturbed by things, we have found the secret. If, as Jesus said, we judge not according to appearances, but judge righteous judgment, if we can judge in this matter out of any chaos, we can produce harmony. Out of any chaos, personal or beyond, we can produce harmony. He goes on to say, let us learn to see, I like this, let us learn to see as God must with perfect vision. Let us learn to see as God must with a perfect vision. Let us seek the good and the true and believe in them with our whole heart. Let us learn to see as God must with a perfect vision. What if in your practice of your life, as stuff comes up that's difficult for you, that's challenging you, that seems chaotic, that you don't like, you said to yourself, you affirm to yourself, let me see this as God must. Let me see this with a perfect vision. And kept in the energy of that thought until there was some sort of breaking open in the way that you saw it. The way we see things really matters. And the way we describe them to ourselves really matter, matters. Why does it matter the way we see things? Because the way we see things is almost like the point of an arrow in a way. All of the energy behind that is going in that direction. So the way we see what is before us harnesses all of the energy of that vision in that direction. So if we are seeing only at the level of the appearances that might be very dark or very discouraging at the time, then all our energy is moving in that direction. 
and is either moving in the direction of destruction or moving in the direction of just being stuck. The very thing that we don't want, right? In a very simplistic way, I think about years ago when I would teach, usually little girls, how to ice skate. And they would come to the end of the straight part of the skating rink and the, cur you know, the curved wall. And they'd be, I could feel them next to me just tensing up because they didn't know how to turn. You know, and I'd say, well, first of all, don't stop because it's hardest to keep your balance when you're not moving at all. I skated for many, many years. You know, don't stop. You gotta have a little bit of momentum. Remember learning to ride a bicycle? Two-wheel, how hard it is. If you have no momentum at all, you have to have some, right? I said, but look where you want to go, and your feet will follow. Because when you look where you want to go, your head's going to turn, your shoulders are going to turn a little bit, your hips are going to turn a little bit, and your feet are going to go right along with you, right? What does the average beginner do if they're on the ice? Where are they looking? Down. <laughs> Absolutely. At the ankles, maybe, that are doing that, right? How we see something. You know, let's lift this to important things, not hitting the wall for skating, but to important things in your life. How you're framing it to yourself, how you're seeing it, makes all the difference in the world. I love the, that line of, of Ernest Holmes, to see as God must with perfect vision. And then to interact with it, to act as if. So this master's level of consciousness, this moving through the world as a God-conscious being, requires seeing differently. Seeing with a vision that is not fooled by the surface. Seeing, knowing, interacting that in every moment, in every situation, in every person, in every place, the allness of the oneness, the allness of God is right there. And it's up to you and to me to call that forth. We see it, and then we speak about it. We give voice to it. And not the Pollyanna surface surface, but we give voice to the depth of it. And we allow the decisions that we make, the choices that we make in our life, to support what it is we're wanting to call forth. So the other half, we see, but we also serve. We also serve. It means that we realize that we each have a contribution to make that we each are incredibly valuable and gifted in different ways, in very different ways, and that's a good thing. But it means that we don't keep only for ourselves, that we don't keep only for those who look like us or think like us or live with us, that we don't keep it only for those that whatever it is that we are good at, whatever it is that we have, whatever it is that we might contribute, that we do so because we can. Because we know that we live in a reciprocal universe. We do it not for what comes back, but we do it because we care. 
That makes such a big difference. When we serve with a servant's heart, when we serve with a heart, in Buddhism, it, it's the energy of the bodhisattva, the unconditional compassion, the genuine care about another's being, that motivates us. It doesn't mean that probably we can live from that capacity all of the time. We might be challenged when we get in our car and we're driving during rush hour traffic. We might be challenged when we're trying to balance our checkbook, if we're still doing that, you know, in a paper checkbook. We have those moments, right? And maybe many of those moments where we kind of fall asleep and we forget. Am I the only one that does that? I guess I am. I only see a couple hands going up. Well, okay. I know I fall asleep. But the difference is, I know I've fallen asleep. That's a mark in the right direction because there was a time I didn't even know I was asleep. Is that true for any of you? Right. And then when we recognize we've fallen asleep, the only way we can recognize we've fallen asleep is because we've suddenly what? Awakened. And we go, oh, I thought I had that better. But at least now I know. And it's that repetition, that genuine desire to keep showing up in the best way that we can, to keep recognizing and being willing to see the, the hurt in the world. We don't have to look very far to see it, to see the injustice in the world, to not turn away from it, to not think it's somebody else's to solve, to not think we can solve it all, but to at least follow whatever impulse there is that arises in us that says, hey, you could do this for that person. Or, hey, you've got this that could be helpful there. Or, hey, you know how to, to lift that person's spirit. The it's about more than me consciousness is an embodiment of a word, another word, seva. Seva. It's a certain energy and attitude of service, of, of sacred service. I have a ministerial friend and colleague in Florida. His name is Dennis Merritt Jones. He's written quite a few really good books you might want to take a look at. And this is from his book, The Art of Being. He writes, make no mistake about it. Service is not something you do only in your spare time. Every person in your life is there as an opportunity for you to remember why you have come to earth. Every person, every event, every circumstance you encounter offers you a gift, yet another chance to love, serve, and remember. That's why we're here, to love, serve, and remember. So going back to the song, no matter what you say, there has to be a way. Every living thing is counting on us. No matter what you say, there has to be a way. Every living thing is counting on us to see as God would see and to serve as the divine would serve. Every living thing is counting on the part that you can do and the part that I can do. Namaste. Namaste.